You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Pakistani fishing noticed in Indian Army networks. ISIS loses prophetically important town of Dabiq and must adjust its messaging accordingly. WikiLeaks continues to poke at the Clinton campaign. Fancy Bear is again in the spotlight as the U.S. preps a response to Russian election hacking. IoT malware affects networking gear. Dyer's masters are back and working on a new banking trojan. And what exactly does evil twin think he, she, or they might be up to? I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, October 17th, 2016. Physical space and cyberspace intersect again in South and Southwest Asia. After India's late September cross-border strikes against terrorist groups in Kashmir, either state-run or of the patriotic hacktivist variety, probably the former, have apparently embarked on a phishing campaign directed against Indian Army targets. The phishing emails spoof an Indian Army intelligence address. The subject line fishbait includes, quote, actual story of surgical strike done by Indian Army in POK, end quote. Yesterday, rebels of the Free Syrian Army, backed by Turkish armor and close air support, took the small town of Dabiq in northern Syria from the ISIS forces that had been holding it. The loss of the physically insignificant town will have an outsized strategic impact on ISIS messaging. A 7th century hadith prophesied that the last hour would come after the Romans, generally regarded as the infidel West, landed at Dabiq. The prophecy says that a third of the Muslim army would desert, a third would be martyred in battle, and the remaining third would go on to conquer Constantinople, that is modern-day Istanbul, which would be the immediate prelude to the rise of the last enemy and the victorious return of the Mahdi. It's noteworthy that ISIS's slick online magazine is named Dabiq. The messaging that's emerging adopts the familiar millenarian trope when the necessity of dealing with an apparently unfulfilled but highly specific prophecy arises. The time is not yet, and the struggle continues. The prophecy will be fulfilled nonetheless. Still, ISIS had been betting heavily on winning in Dabiq. Whether trimming the message will carry as much credibility as the group would wish remains in question. WikiLeaks continues to harry the campaign of former Secretary of State Clinton. The campaign says the leaks were achieved by hacking, which the campaign is comparing to Watergate, and demanding that Republican candidate Trump be asked what he knew about the hacking and when he knew it. 
The comparison is perhaps infelicitous, since it's reminded people as much of analogies to Nixon's tape erasure as it has to the famous what-did-the-president-know question asked in the wake of the 1972 Watergate break-in. The FBI is said to be investigating, but the Bureau understandably won't say much about the latest Podesta leaks beyond, yes, we're investigating things, but of course we don't like to say much about what we're investigating. Election-related hacking also hits the National Republican Senatorial Committee, the NRSC, with donor lists being scraped and exfiltrated to a domain associated with the Russian mob. The data theft occurred between March 16th and October 5th of this year. Among the data exposed were credit card credentials, which suggests that the motive was theft. Russian intelligence services are generally suspected as the source of the data stolen from the Democrats. Given the degree to which Russian security services are thought to have compromised Russian organized crime, they may have a paw or two in the NRSC hack. The U.S., having officially attributed much of the election hacking to Russia, continues to prepare some sort of response, but what that response will be remains up in the air. BuzzFeed has a profile of prime animal of interest, Fancy Bear, with an interesting rundown on this GRU unit's long history of cyber operations against non-U.S. targets. The outlet quotes an anonymous U.S. Defense Department official as saying, quote, Fancy Bear is Russia, or at least a branch of the Russian government, taking the gloves off. It's unlike anything else we've seen, and so we are struggling with writing a new playbook to respond, end quote. Fancy Bear is famous for the provocative noisiness of its attacks on the Democratic National Committee earlier this year, much more obvious than the quiet persistence its colleague Cozy Bear used for over a year. The unnamed defense official told BuzzFeed, quote, If Fancy Bear were a kid in the playground, it would be the kid stealing all the juice out of your lunchbox and then drinking it in front of you, daring you to let him get away with it, end quote. Most bets on the U.S. response are placed on sanctions, but there were curious reports over the weekend that the CIA, not generally conceived of as the lead U.S. agency in cyber operations, was said to be preparing for a cyber war with Russia. Whether that's defensive prudence or preparation for offensive operations remains to be seen. In cybercrime news, there are more concerns about the Internet of Things. Sierra Wireless warns that its cellular gear has been roped into the Mirai botnet that did so much DDoS damage last month. The affected equipment is AirLink Gateway Communications gear. Another malware variant with the potential to inflict denial-of-service conditions is Laobot, which researchers at Malware Must Die say has been targeting Aris cable modems with increasing sophistication over the last two months. Known since late 2015, Laobot's renewed activity suggests a rise in the DDoS risk. The IoT contains bigger potential problems than DDoS, as bothersome as DDoS is, We're thinking, of course, of the industrial IoT, and we spoke with Robert Lee about reports last week that an unnamed nuclear power plant had sustained a disruptive cyber attack. There was malware in a facility that caused them to take some responsive actions, but it wasn't on the nuclear side of the facility anyways, because that would have caused a a case where they would have had to take down production environments. So it was on the, the sort of the business systems that they were using at that nuclear environment. It's concerning because we want to make sure that we have the standard practices in place where we aren't introducing random malware. So if a facility can get infected with some well-known piece of malware off of USB into the environment, they're most certainly susceptible to a well-funded actor trying to infiltrate it. 
The pushback on the hype, though, is this wasn't really a cyber attack where someone was trying to cause like a nuclear meltdown. This was it's by all accounts, it sounded like it was an accidental uh, malware infection. That's Robert Lee from Dragos Security. The authors of the dire Trojan, largely quiet since last November, are back and working on a new banking Trojan, TrickBot. Fidelis reports observing TrickBot in several Australian bank networks. There are signs it may be about to appear in Canada as well. Kaspersky describes a new, tougher-to-root-out ransomware strain, Crippy, which encrypts individual files with their own individual key. And finally, a curious new strain of ransomware, Exotic. You can recognize it by the Hitler imagery it uses. It's not actually a threat yet, according to its discoverers at Malware Hunter Team. Exotic's developer, Evil Twin, seems more interested in cozying up to security researchers than in effective cybercrime, thanking them for their feedback and sharing screenshots. This is either a vanity project or a new approach to crimeware R&D. Our marketing department tells us, we asked, that associating yourself with one of the five worst genocidal monsters of the 20th century isn't a good look, but who knows? Maybe Evil Twin is using a different focus group. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Joining me is Malek Ben-Salem. She's the R&D manager at Accenture Technology Labs. Malek, I know you wanted to tell us about some of the work you're doing with semantic technology for security analytics. Uh, Correct. Uh, An example of semantic technologies is ontologies, which are typically used to enable knowledge sharing and reuse. In our lab, we try to leverage ontologies to enhance security analytics at the edge. This was a DARPA-funded project 
it was part of the program the called ICAST, the Integra Integrated Cyber Analysis Systems Program that DARPA funded. And uh, within this program, we used an ontology. We de defined and built uh, a new cybersecurity ontology, which we leveraged to look at logs created by new software installed on devices and automatically infer the schema of that log based on the security ontology that we've developed. Why is this important? Users will keep using software all the time and security analysts will need to understand any logs created by that software and need to use it for uh, understanding when a device is compromised or when software is compromised. However, if they use existing SIM technologies, they would have to build APIs for every new software and every new log format that's created. Uh, with our tool, with this automated way of inferring the schema of that log automatically, they don't have to do that. And all of that information, all of those logs that are created can be automatically consumed, contextualized, that information can be contextualized, and obviously, with the more context, uh, the better decisions security analysts can make about what the incident is about, what's the root cause, and where to look further to understand what's causing it. And so what kind of accuracy do you get with this sort of system? It varies depending on uh, how structured the log is. So some of the, these logs are uh, very structured in their schema, others are what we can call semi-structured types of data. So uh, the accuracy varies uh, depending on how structured the data is, but uh, we are conducting experiments to measure those accuracies. Who in particular would this sort of thing benefit? Uh, it will definitely benefit security analysts. Um, so eventually this will be deployed as an agent on endpoint devices. Well, that's why I refer to security analytics at the edge. So the agent running on the laptop or the desktop would be looking for all of these logs as they're created. If it sees a new format, then it will try to make this mapping and it will try to organize the information created by those logs into that general schema and send it back to a central location for analysis or, or perhaps even keep it local and wait for the security analyst to make a query if they suspect that a computer is compromised. And so it makes that query to the agent and then they identify what information is relevant to the suspected incident and send that back to the, to the security analyst. All right, Malek Ben Salem, interesting stuff. Thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber.
And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.